From the backstretch at Saratoga, this is Loose on the Lead with Steve Bick and Seth Merrill. Loose on the Lead is sponsored by... Morning. Welcome to Loose on the Lead on a Sunday morning. Typically, Steve Bick and myself, but Steve was down at the uh, Haskell this week. Thought he was going to make it back, but texted me yesterday and uh, got delayed down there. Uh, so I'm solo, but that's okay because we have a fun show uh, this morning, as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Coming up in a few minutes, our friend Richard Migliori will join us. We'll uh, talk a little bit about how the meet's been going so far. Maybe get some thoughts this afternoon on the matchup between Clarier. And Nest uh, also coming up a little bit later on. I mentioned Alex Sauceville, a uh, nice local uh, young guy who uh, is in the horse racing industry in a big way. Went to the racetrack industry program at the University of Arizona. He's hot walk for Todd Pletcher. He's worked for the Breeders' Cup. He was working for Colonial Downs for a while. Uh, but now he's with the Godolphin Flying Start program. So I wanted to get a little info on that, certainly, and uh, his world travels so far and upcoming so that's coming up in the last segment but kicking off the show is our friend dan collins from bonaventure stable one of our sponsors here in the network so we always like to have dan come over once or twice uh during the meet and i thought what better time to kick off the season with uh, our friends at bonaventure than today oceans reserve uh, a little bit later on and a first time starter coming up on wednesday dan good morning good morning happy to have you on board uh, on uh, a day where i'm sure there has to be a little excitement in the air Yes, we're uh, we're pretty excited about Ocean's Reserve. You know, he he started his four-year-old career with a with a really strong second-place yeah. finish at Belmont, and then he won by four links uh, in his second race. Now this will be his first 2023 Saratoga start. It's a tough race, but he's ready. Yeah, we'll hit on him <laughs> a, a little more uh, in a few minutes, and also the nice weekend you had down at Belmont, including him uh, just a few weeks ago. But let's talk first a, a little bit about the partnership because. Uh, we always like to, when we bring partnerships in here, uh, talk a little bit about if folks are out there and kind of getting pulled into the game a little bit, how much fun it is to be part of a partnership. And I think a lot of that fun ties into, particularly with an outfit like yours, right up here at Saratoga. There's a big social aspect to being in a partnership. And up here at Saratoga, you get to come to the backstretch and go to the paddock. And I know you've got your, your party coming up, your annual party coming up next week. So talk a little bit about the partnership. and. How, it, uh, how people can find out more information, too. Sure. Well, as you know, we're about 20 years old. We started in 2020, 2005, and uh, we have about 75 people involved in our six different horses. Uh, a little small this year. We usually were somewhere in the 8 to 10 range, but right now we have six. And um, uh, we do something a little different than most of the partnerships. When you buy into a share at Bonaventure Stables, that includes all the first-year costs. So you're not going to get a bill the next month uh, for nice. training costs, uh, especially since we're purchasing two-year-olds. And, you know, we hope they can run as two-year-olds. Sometimes they can't run until three-year-olds. And then it's the social aspect. We have a number of events during the year that we try to bring all our partners together and, and let them get to know each other. And uh, it's been very successful. As you mentioned, we've got 80 uh, people coming in. We've rented out the paddock suite for next Saturday. We'll take them on a stable tour in the morning, and we have a big party the night before. So we try to treat them as, as if they were family. Yeah, I have been to the party, and I've been to the paddock suite last year. Uh, you guys asked me to come handicap, and I grabbed a little lunch as well. That, first of all, that was, A, being with you guys is always a lot of fun. It used to be in the tent, and I did that for years. Yep. Um, but B, I will add that that was my first experience in the paddock suites there. That's a nice new addition to the facility, I think. It is a nice new addition. It's air-conditioned. Uh, there's a, a, a beautiful balcony, yeah. so you can overlook both the paddock and the horses walking uh, into the track. And um, we just, we try to do something that makes the partners understand that we appreciate their support. Um, and again, you have the party the night before too at the various locations downtown, had a lot of fun there. Uh, always enjoy uh, meeting up partners. I know some of them locally. And you have a mix of, of locals and folks who aren't local necessarily in the partnership. We do, we have, um, we have a fair number that are in the greater Saratoga area. 
Uh, we pick up a couple new ones every year thanks to the Capital Land OTB channel and, and uh, the exposure we get there. And then we've got partners as far away as Texas, um, uh, Colorado, but most of them are New York-based, various places in New York. Uh, we do have a large group from Boston, uh, oddly enough, a group of about 10, 20-somethings, uh, and they bought a couple shares actually into the horse running today. So. Ah, nice. Uh, and talk a little bit about the name, Bonaventure. Bonaventure is a combination of, I went to college at St. Bonaventure University. Uh, the Latin for Bonaventure is good journey, and that's what we oh, hope nice. for all of our horses and our riders uh, every day. And um, we're just big St. Bonaventure fans. We've got a lot of St. Bonaventure graduates involved, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, I've told you many times before, uh, my late brother was a St. Bonaventure uh, grad as well, as a friend Mike, who we were talking That's to. Correct. I have to talk about his former roommate, who uh, is a big racing fan, certainly. Always fun to see uh, Mike over on the front side uh, as well. Uh, if folks are looking to get involved, how do they do that? Certainly, if they see you around the track, they can come check in mm -hmm. with you. Uh, there's really two primary ways that they can get involved. We can go. They can go to our website at simply Bonaventure Stables, all one word, dot com, or they can send me an email. There's an email uh, address on the website, and uh, just send in the inquiry, and we'll be happy to get back. You can even just give me a call directly. Very good. Um, and I always, when I get uh, somebody from a partnership in here and we're talking about, hey, get involved in the game and kind of have some fun and, and get involved in ownership, I always like to, you know, give the, the, the gamut here. There are partnerships on the low end, there are partnerships on the high end, and it is certainly worth, if you're thinking about it, doing a little bit of research and, and kind of finding your right level and learning a little bit more about the game. And part of that is if folks do see you at the track, they can take some time and talk to you and, and maybe meet up with some of the other partners and see what their experience that, was. That's true. Um, we're, we're re frankly, a family-run business. Uh, we don't have any employees. You know, I'm the lead of it, but my wife is the chief financial officer, so to speak. Uh, our daughters and son-in-laws are involved as well, giving tours during the summer. And so uh, we try to keep it a friendly, family-type atmosphere. We're not trying to be one of the mega partners that have. We can't do that. We're just, it's not the way we're structured. So, um, you know, our owners go out to the stables by themselves. I don't necessarily have to go with them. Uh, and our trainers understand that, and they work with us, and they treat everyone as if they are the most important owner. Talk a little bit about uh, your trainers. I know, again, on that big weekend, I was watching uh, the interviews in the, the winner's circle with Leah, Leah Giramatti, and she talked about how fun it is to work with you guys and the, and the uh, partners as well. But talk about your trainers. So we have two tra primary trainers, Leah Giramatti, who's been with us since the beginning, who was our first New York partner, and George Weaver, who we jo joined us about three years after that. Uh, both of them are excellent trainers. They've... Um, Worked in this game for a long time. Uh, Leah was an assistant to the, the great Alan Jerkins. Um, George was an assistant to Todd Pletcher. Uh, they know their business, and they understand that as a partnership, we can't be there all the time. And the partners will come in, and they want to see their horses, and they help them. And uh, we just have, we everybody's on a first-name basis, and um, these trainers respect what we do. And we respect what they do. Yeah, and you got a couple of really good ones there. Nice lineage as well. A little Pletcher, a little Ellen Jerkins. Right. Uh, and it, uh, how much fun was it to see George uh, win at Royal Ascot this that, year? That was pretty amazing, yeah. especially with the tragedy that uh, affected his wife, Cindy. She's recovering, but it's going to be a long road back. And uh, for George to be able to take Cindy to Ascot with him and then to win that race, I mean, it, that barn is the happiest barn I've seen all year. Yeah, immediately after the I was on the radio with Steve Bick that morning, and I was kind of waiting to, to come on, and, and uh, he made a call and got George on the phone live right after the race. <laughs> you could tell they were over the moon, and deservedly so. is a great story, uh, certainly. Um, oh, before I get to these specifically, you've kind of alluded to it already, but, again, partnerships... Uh, of all kinds and all kinds of horses as well. Some of them are claiming partnerships. Right. Some of them pop in and get the yearlings, two-year-olds. Talk a little bit about uh, what, what is your main focus as far as the horses you run and, and uh, 
pick up. Sure. We don't we, we don't play the claiming game very often. Every once in a while, we'll pick up a claiming horse. Uh, we have one named Brennan's War who broke his maiden uh, this spring down at Belmont, and we'll be running hopefully this coming Friday. Oh, nice. Um, but he's an exception in the case. You know, we saw something in him with Leah, and she claimed him for us, and he's done very well for us. But we're focused on two-year-olds. We don't necessarily purchase yearlings because you're almost a year and a half away before that horse can run. And uh, who you never know. Uh, we've done it in the past, but it's not really worked for us. So we focus on two-year-olds. We look for horses that are in moderately priced where our trainer and our agent, uh, Steve Venosa of SVG, SGV uh, Thoroughbreds, where they feel for the money this horse is going to produce for us. So, um, you know, we're not looking at the million-dollar horses. Uh, we're looking in that $125,000 to $175,000 range. So we can keep the cost of a share, a full share, under $20,000. Um, and what, what are some of the sales you participate in? We participate in both of the OBS sales in uh, early spring. We participate in the Phasic Tipton sale in the beginning of the year. And occasionally, Phasic Tipton's uh, Timonium sale. Very good. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the first year you have coming up uh, on Wednesday that was one of those Phasic uh, sales. But let's get to it uh, today and get some thoughts on uh, Ocean's Reserve, who... Again, we're going to take a look at the win from just a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, uh, June 17th down at Belmont. Uh, Always Ocean's strumming Reserve on the outside. Ocean Reserve. Here. Um, nice little win. Castellano on board that day for Leah Giramati. Castellano back on board again today. Uh, give us a little uh, feeling for this race down at Belmont, the nice win down there, and how's the horse coming into this afternoon? Well, um, you know, he, as I said earlier, he, he ran second first time out. Uh, this time he improved from that, and he's uh, he enjoys the seven furlong distance. I think it's his specialty, which is today's race, and he he sticks toward the lead, but he comes at the end, and he gives us everything every time. I mean, how can you fall the horse that's been in the money yeah. nine out of eleven? career races yeah this is certainly a very good performer if you're on the, the partnership side of things uh, 11 starts as you say been in the money nine of those uh just under two, a couple of hundred thousand dollars and it's one of those that yeah you, you're gonna get a good run every time and it's a nice gutsy run coming up the rail there as well it, it, you, know, it you like to see that mentally it is and you know i it it means something when hall of fame riders like javier castellano uh, decide that this is the horse he wants to ride at this level. And uh, he's ridden him three or four times for us now. It's, it's been a thrill every time. He's on him, on her, on him again today, and uh, it's just a pleasure to, to have Javier. Yeah, we are clearly rooting for you, as noted. Always like to root for the local connections and whatnot. And I didn't pull up the replay, but I did pull up the, the chart here. I probably should have pulled up the replay and maybe took a, to put, put in the uh, shot of the winner's circle because the day after Ocean's Reserve won down at Belmont, Brennan's War won, and I told you I think uh, I have a little... Uh, uh, love for Brennan's War. My grandmother's maiden name was Brennan, so I, I certainly uh, appreciate that. But uh, the next day, Brennan's War uh, won, and down in the winner's circle, I said I should have pulled the winner's circle picture because my friends Pat and Mary were in the winner's circle as uh, participants in the partnership, and it was fun to see them uh, down there representing. Um, but you're, talk you're saying Brennan's War is going to be coming up at the end of the week? Well, we, we hope so. Actually, it's going to be – we hope this is a very busy week with us. We have Ocean's Reserve today. We have our two-year-old first-time starter on Wednesday, Beautiful Thief. We enter Brennan's War uh, Wednesday for, uh, today rather, for Friday, hopefully, stepping up into the allowance level. And then on Saturday, we have our three-year-old Philly first-time starter, Sail with the Wind, hopefully. So right. we, it could be a very busy week. And with 80 of our partners and their friends in town on Saturday and Sail with the Wind, probably racing it's going to be the exact would have a first time starter win with the partners here that would be golden but uh let's talk a little bit about the first time starter mm -hmm. coming up uh on wednesday because i did pull up uh the video from the workout before uh the the basics uh sale also pulled up the uh the catalog page and there's some nice little black type down the page um the one coming up on wednesday as you mentioned beautiful thief um talk a little bit about 
what attracted you you guys to this one at the sale and what you're expecting first time out on, on Wednesday from Beautiful Thief? Well, earlier this spring, uh, we had uh, quickly, for a surprise, a surprise reason, we uh, had four horses either retired or claimed from us. And so we were a little short of horses. So Stephen Oso and George Weaver were at the Timonium sale. And we gave them a price range. It was a modest price range. And the next thing I know is George called and said, we've got them. We, we know what we need to buy. And they convinced me that uh, a Beautiful Thief was, was a horse that could produce for us. And so far, she's done nothing wrong uh, in her training. And the only surprise we had is um, a week ago, George told me that we're probably going to probably into the second, third book. And the next thing you know is she went out and ran, a, had a fantastic workout, and she's in. And uh, Irod is riding. Oh, oh nice. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we're excited because people like Irod Ortiz and <laughs> Javier Castellano and Jose Ortiz, they, do, they, don't, they don't ride just any horse. Yeah. Uh, so that's Wednesday. And you say uh, Saturday, uh, the first or is uh, sail with the... Sail with the Wind. Uh, give us a little background there. Uh, Sail with the Wind is by Astern, and um, uh, hence the name. And uh, she is a talented uh, filly. She, we're, we're pointing her to run long for the first time on the turf, and she has a lot of turf background, and uh, she's just bred for the turf. And uh, she's a real happy girl, and we hope she makes us happy. All right, we're looking forward to it. Just before we go, I'll, I'll also mention, because I pulled up the Equibase, uh, one of the uh, early... Uh, runners for you guys uh, certainly was notable as well because summer fun uh, notable because you went to the Breeders' Cup and got a nice little third place finish with the Bonaventure horse. We did. Summer of fun was probably our biggest breakthrough horse. Um, for those wondering about a partnership, how you make money, we bought Summer of Fun for $90,000 as a two-year-old. She won about 350000 and we sold her for 350000 So everybody got a, a, a nice payday at the end of that. That's excellent. That's a lot of fun. All right, Dan, before we let you go, just, again, remind people of the website. And the website is BonaventureStables.com. Bonaventure Stables being all one word. Look forward to hearing from you. And again, you'll see Dan around the track, certainly on the days the horses are running, as well as, you know, obviously today and Wednesday, and hopefully again Friday and Saturday as well. But you'll see Dan around the track also. Oh, great job, uh, guys. Have the, the website address right there. Good job, guys. Uh, Dan, always appreciate the visit. Good luck this afternoon. Good luck this week. And I'll see you Friday night we'll and, and Saturday night. as well uh, with, the, with the party and do yeah. a little handicap. Appreciate it. Thank you. Dan Collins from Bonaventure Stables. Coming up next, Richard Migliori. So stay tuned. Loose on the lead continues. Come on. I want sales reports on my desk by Monday. Whoops. My bad. Love racing? RTN brings you every live simulcast on your home television, plus live video streaming and race replays on your PC and mobile devices. To order, visit RTN.TV. RTN, a breed apart. Birdstone is an outside front. They're coming down to the finish. Can Smarty Jones hold on? Here comes Birdstone. Birdstone surges past. Birdstone wins the Belmont Stakes.
Welcome back to Loose on the Lead on uh, this Sunday morning, the second Sunday of the meet. And as promised a little bit earlier, happy to be joined by our buddy Richard Migliori. Uh, You see him on the Fox show. uh, You see him around the track. Uh, If you were lucky enough to uh, win the TRF auction last year, you'll see him in your kitchen uh, making some dinner. Rich, good morning. (laughs) Actually, that happens Tuesday. Uh, I'll be out at uh, Sue and Peter Bobley's. They're kind enough to allow us to use their home, their kitchen, beautiful kitchen. Um, I'm actually more nervous about cooking for people and I love to cook and I love to cook for my family, but you know, people, you don't know, you want it to come out right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm curious cause you were, we were talking up in the press box about that dinner and you were kind of laying out the menu. Uh, how did, and if people follow your Twitter, uh, my mouth is watering about <laughs> half of the tweets. Uh, how did you get into cooking? Well, it's interesting. My grandfather, when I was a kid, was a, uh, a chef. Okay. And he was a partner in a restaurant. And I spent time at home and in the restaurant in the kitchen with him, not thinking I was picking anything up. And then over time, you know, things that I started doing naturally, I said, wow, I learned that when I was eight, nine, ten <laughs> years old with my grandfather and didn't even realize it. Um, and, of course, when you starve for 30 years to, oh, to be a jockey, right? And I haven't ridden uh, in 14 years now. Still in great shape, well, however. Well, thank you. 30 pounds over my riding weight. But, 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 you know, now you go, wow, I can actually enjoy this. And, and that's something I try to talk to young riders about now, Seth, that, like, you'll obsess about food because you can't have it. But there'll be a time when you can. So just relax and make the most of your riding career because there's plenty yeah, of life yeah, after it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we were talking uh, about the, the menu you have scheduled, and it seems like, to me, the way you were talking, you're not so much a recipe guy as, as a play it by ear and, and... By feel. Yeah. By feel and what's... I like that. And, and, and what's available. What, yeah. What's the best product right now? And um, one thing, like I live in the Hudson Valley, you have that opportunity more like farm to table. Go see what you know, really inspires you that day. So it's fun. Um, and speaking of your Twitter feed, and you mentioned it, living in the Hudson Valley, if Folks do follow you on Twitter. Um, You're part of that Fox show. So um, most of the year you're popping down to New York and then back up uh, to the farm uh, this time of year. uh, You and your wife, I know, are up here a lot and maybe get back to the farm a little bit as well. And for folks who are looking uh, at your Twitter feed, they see pictures of you at the farm and you're talking about how much you love it. When did you buy the farm? Where is it? And and just give us a feel for what goes on there. Okay, so we had this idea for a very long time about when I was retired from riding, moving up to the Hudson Valley. And we would always stop with the kids on the way up here for the meeting in Millbrook, beautiful little town, have lunch. It's about almost exactly halfway and then come the rest of the way. So I was coming down in 2009 from the meet. And and listen, I was in the twilight of my career. The best thing I had going on was I was riding a, a lot for Godolphin and working with them in the mornings. And I stopped at a real estate and I said, you know, this is kind of what I had in mind. They showed me some properties. This particular property had a nice barn, which was paramount to what we wanted. Indoor arena on the hunt trails. So went ahead and took the plunge thinking we'll have this and eventually we'll move up there. Six months later, my career ended. Um, My son, Joseph, who handles Trevor McCarthy and Katie Davis, was already starting college. And my next son was going to start high school. And we said, should we make this move now? And we did. We, we moved from Long Island, moved up to the farm, sold the house on Long Island. Not thinking I was going to wind up at the track a lot. You know, I thought I was going to be a gentleman farmer. That lasted about six months. Um, so it's, it, it's a great balance. I love to retreat to the farm. It's quiet. I live on a dirt road. I have my horses, dogs, chickens. And then come back to the track and do my job, something that I love. I love the horses i love the racing and i love the interaction like one of the great joys of my day is if i get a break or i'm off air come up to the press box visit with yeah, you yeah. guys uh, you know I, I i love the conversations and, and and i love the camaraderie um and then like i said I've, all right i've had my fill of you guys and i bomb back to the farm <laughs> No, that, that is absolutely one of the nice things uh, about the track and certainly about Saratoga as well. You, you, you see people you haven't seen all year long and just reconnecting, having, having a lot of fun there as well. You mentioned your son, Joe, who was up uh, as a Naira uh, guy early on in the press box, and now he's gone off and, and blossomed in a career uh, bloodstock agent and, and jockey agent as well. Um, how many kids and, and how many are involved in the game? Okay, so I have four children, uh, Joseph being the oldest, 32. He's in the game. My son, Philip, who's 28, uh, 
nothing to do with the game, but he's going to get up here as many weekends as he can. He's got a, a terrific job, and he's doing well. Luciano, uh, 26, is here, and he's uh, working at Salivo, actually, oh, okay. nice. three or four nights a week bartending. And my daughter, Gabrielle, is into horses, works uh, with horses. She's our baby. And she's the hostess in the Horseman's Lounge this summer here at the track. Ah, nice. And so. grandkid uh, saw the picture. Yeah, Isabella, my granddaughter. Thank which, you. And, and, and listen, I know everybody, you know, you hear this your whole life. <laughs> Wait till you have grandchildren. I, I'm here to tell you it's the truth. I mean, I love my children. I go over to see Isabella, and my heart's <laughs> going to come out of my chest. And I'm going to spoil her out, and that's just straight up front. That's That's, it. That's great. That's great. Very good. All right, let's get into some of the racing now because, uh, you know, we're now wrapping up the second week uh, here at the meet. And uh, why don't we start just by going back to yesterday and uh, taking a look at the Coaching Club American Oaks. Um, I said, and we'll talk a little bit about the three-year-old males uh, in a moment, that division is totally up in the air. This one was pretty mischievous. I think she's firmly on top. But I think the performance yesterday by Wet Point, Wet paint put her uh, into the conversation, uh, certainly. She's the number two horse here. And it was a nice, gutsy uh, little neck victory there from wet paint. Well, it is. And, and, and to me, the pace was, was moderate. I don't think you got a fast pace here. The runner-up, Sacred Wish. I thought Manny Franco gave her a great ride. I like when riders try to seize the initiative. And he tried to put some separation between yeah. him and wet paint just had a better kick. She almost has a turn of foot like a turf horse but on the dirt that she actually has acceleration a lot of times when you see a horse closing in a dirt race it's because everybody else is is coming back to them right they're collapsing it's not that the the horse that's passing horses is accelerating so much i don't think that's the case with wet paint i think she has a true turn of foot on dirt and brad cox after the race in the winter circle said something to that effect that there is kind of a turf uh uh, strategy, uh, kind of a thing to uh, the way wet paint runs. But again, that, uh, you know, Coaching Club American Oaks, a grade one for uh, the three year old Phillies, and she's now firmly in the picture. And I, I assume you agree, pretty mischievous, kind of top of the class. Well, off the strength of her Oaks and her acorn, yeah. those two grade ones. And I wonder now what'll happen if wet paint wins the Alabama. Now you got a real conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if she wins the test, just because now she, it looks like she's going another direction, turning back as where wet paint is is stretching out but they're both owned by godolphin so you can see they want to cover both yeah, categories yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah. it's going to be interesting for sure but as i say that category seems a little more defined three-year-old males and we'll talk about uh two of the big races over the past couple of days there two of the notable the curlin not necessarily big but could play into the bigger race the travers coming on and we'll take a look now uh, going back a couple of days to scotland i like scotland lightly raced i thought it was a nice spot to Introduced the horse to a stake, and the curlin is restricted to three-year-olds that haven't yet won a graded stake this year. Um, so I thought it was a clever spot. Scotland ran well, and you'd think he uh, goes on. Chad came out of that and said Blazing Sevens clearly won't go to uh, the Travers, but nice run from Scotland. Really nice run from Scotland. Lightly raced. Um, a horse, to me, that showed more professionalism here in the curlin than he had previous. And, I, and I'm not saying he wasn't professional before, but I think that proverbial light bulb has really gone on. A little bit of stops and starts in his run, even when he was winning in his first couple of races, there was more continuity to this. He was more focused, I thought, always stayed in the bridle. And Bill Mott had an interesting quote after the race that he always felt like when he stretched out and he had an opportunity to get into the bit, get balanced, get in a good rhythm, he was going to be better. I saw that there. He's definitely that, you know, we always talk about it, that second half of the year horse. Yeah, yeah. This is the quintessential second half of the year horse. Let me uh, ask you as a jockey, because I talk about it a, a lot when I'm in here handicapping, the light bulb moment. If you've written, a, it, it, is that a thing? Because if you've ridden a horse for four or five starts, and then all of a sudden in that fifth or sixth start, man, it's just a, a performance that jumps off. Is there a mental thing? Uh, am I right? Is there a light bulb moment for some of these horses? Uh, absolutely, 100% there is. And, and much like people, and, and when we talk about two-year-olds, you're talking about younger people, right, children. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, there are kids that go into kindergarten and they walk in and they're intrepid, right? And they, and, they, and they got this and they're ready for it. And then you got kids that there's that separation anxiety from their mom, their routine, their house, and you see... And then that balances out over the year and then obviously going on in school. It's the same thing with young horses. Some of them have it. They know it. They see it. And some of them, whoa. 
And a lot of times if you're by the paddock and you hear a young horse whinnying and hollering and kicking up a storm, that's the kid with the anxiety right. about, you know, a yeah, new yeah, yeah. thing, a new setting, a new place. A lot of times people see a young horse, particularly a two-year-old, get studdish. A lot of times it's not so much that they're studdish, it's that nervous energy manifests itself that way. They need to release it somehow. Um, so, again, think about horses like you would people. And just like, you know, you get older horses that they've had the light bulb moment, but they're like people, you know, that want to cut corners, do as little as possible, you know, to get the result. And then you've got people and horses that are similar where they're hardworking, overachieving, try harder. It's the same thing with horses. You know, you get some horses that have all the advantages, the pedigree, the confirmation, and eh, they don't care that much. Then you get some little horse that maybe doesn't look the best, the best conformed, but he wants it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot to that being a herd leader as opposed to a follower. These are herd animals. Um, and, and this is going to tell you one thing, but looking at the horse and figuring out their personality is going to tell you another thing. Perfect blend of handicapping is when you can combine the two, what you see on paper with what you see physically. And that, I will compliment you and the, the whole Fox Show team. That's one of my favorite parts about the Fox Show. You and Maggie sometimes, or Acacia, will be out there, A, in the paddock, and mentioning that, oh, this horse is the winning. But the warm-ups, I think, is also, you guys go out there and really give some nice insights that, A, for me, even if I'm at the track, I don't know enough to see that stuff. But certainly, if you're watching from far away, that's really important, I think. Well, thank you for saying that. You know, one of the things early on when I came on board with the Naira Fox shows, Maggie was doing an amazing job already with the paddock analysis and really breaking down horses' confirmation and what she saw for, you know, particularly different surfaces. Yeah. And it kind of dawned on me that sometimes you'll see a horse in the paddock and they look one way. And then they get on the track and they look a different. And there are horses that puff up and, and when they start warming up, they really get focused. And I kind of introduced the idea of well, how about if I followed it up from the paddock report to what you see on yeah. the racetrack. And honestly, and also because the people I work with are really good people like Maggie, we've kind of found a great balance yeah. and bounce off each other and play with that. And I think we're the first... Uh, show or you know of this kind to kind of introduce that idea yeah. to it you know there are a lot of doing paddock analysis I don't think as well or in, in depth as Maggie and, and Acacia but then piggybacking on that to the warm up and giving a, a, a whole picture to it yeah and, and talk to people because I, again I say it almost every day I think up here, our audience is a lot of hardcore people, but a lot of new people as well. So talk from a jockey standpoint, if folks aren't familiar, the warm-up's pretty important. Warm-up's very important. And, and I really, um, I believe in good warm-ups. You know, a horse being a flight animal um, and, and the way their biology, the way their body is set up, they store one-third of their red blood cells in their spleen for, like, emergencies. <laughs> Mountain lion's going to pounce, and they can give you that yeah, sharp, yeah, yeah. short burst. If you don't warm a horse up properly, what they're going to do is dump all those red blood cells as soon as the gates open. And, 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 they, and a jockey is essentially feeding on that flight instinct, right? What do you do when the door's open? You growl at one. Ha! That's replicating what they might feel in the recesses, you know, for the, yeah, their, yeah, yeah. their instinct, right? You're, you're, you're preying on that a bit, but you don't want a horse to dump all their red blood cells instantly. So to me, if you warm them up properly, they're going to get into a better rhythm in the flow of the race. Oh, that's interesting. And stretch it out. So there, there is a physiolog physiological yeah. thing behind it. There's a science behind it. It's not just my opinion. This is reality. Ah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'd never heard the, the red blood cell thing, but yeah. it makes sense, too, because sometimes I look and I think, man, they're really working that horse out on the, on the warm-up. Uh, but yeah. uh, that all plays into it. Yeah, when you see a, a horse like just jog to the gate, I know the conventional wisdom behind it and what the rider's thinking is this is a really nervous horse and I don't want to work them up more. But I think you're better off letting them get a nice gallop into them, you know, even if you stay with the pony. Let them dispel some of that nervous energy. Then give them a chance to settle and walk to the gate. I, I, I think it's a big mistake to kind of keep that pent up. And as I say, you guys do a great job of conveying all of that, which Thank to me you. is helpful as a handicapper as well. And, you know, for years and years, we've now been betting via TV and, and computer and whatnot and don't really have access to that. And that's been a nice addition uh, to that the, the Fox show. And, again, the Fox show overall, I, I continue to say, 
great for New York racing, but great for racing overall that we're spreading it's the word. Kind of uh, you to say, I appreciate bit, it. But, Thank uh, you. All right, I uh, wanted to touch on a couple other things on the racetrack. First of all, I alluded to uh, how undefined uh, the three-year-old scene is. We'll see uh, wet paint, or uh, uh, Scotland in the, the uh, curlin. We'll see if he goes on. We have the Jim Dandy coming up here. We got a report yesterday on the Forte uh, workout from uh, Mike McAdam uh, sitting in here yesterday. We'll see how he goes forward a little bit. But yesterday, the, the, the picture continues to be undefined with the result in the Haskell and Go Rocket Ride uh, getting it done. Mage, I think they said they were using it kind of as a prep for the Travers, so maybe they got what they wanted with the second, but what were your thoughts on that? And, and again, the three-year-old scene at this point. Um, and we'll circle back to Forte with the blinkers, which I like, by the way, but listen, Go Rocket Ride has done nothing wrong, right? He, he, two wins in a second. He, he was second uh, in the San Felipe before winning the Affirm. Richard Mandela is not shipping a horse from Southern California to the Haskell, to New Jersey. Yeah unless he knows he's got the goods. He's not a guy that, that ships for no reason and takes shots. He's a master horseman. He did say he's not coming back for the Travers, though, because he doesn't want to go back and forth. Well, I, I mean, that's interesting, and, and we've seen that kind of blow up, too. I mean, it, it kind of blew up with American Farrow, yeah. didn't it, right? He ran yeah. in the Haskell, shipped back, although maybe that gallop in front of yeah. the huge morning crowd <laughs> might have took a little starch yeah. out of him, too. But... Um, He's a player. Go Rocket Ride. Uh, and, and again, I, I, when I looked at the Haskell beforehand, I said, wow, Richard's shipping in here. And I developed a really good relationship with Richard Mandela when we were in California. And anybody doesn't know him, he's got the funniest, driest sense of humor. I rode a horse for him off a layoff one day, and he, you know, I said, the horse ran good. You know, Richard, he just got tired. He said, are you telling me I ran a short horse? I said, I would never say that to your face. <laughs> And he gets it. Like, he's, yeah, yeah. he's got a great sense of humor. And how about Mike Smith picking up yeah, very a, good, a, yeah. another top horse? I thought Mage ran a good race. Uh, he, he took his shot at him. Go Rocket Ride ran extremely well. Take nothing away from his performance. Mammoth might, maybe not the greatest fit for Mage's style, um, where a horse that could be more forward like Go Rocket Ride, I think maybe he's got a little bit of a tactical advantage. But great effort from both horses, I thought. I love the blinkers going on Forte. He's always been a horse less than generous in his morning training. Even in the races, what I term a bicycle horse. If you're not pedaling, he's not running. I saw a different horse in the workout with the blinkers. Stayed steadily in the bridle. One good rhythm. A lot of continuity to his his stride and the workout itself. Um, albeit a very slow work. Yeah. But I think there's different ways to judge workouts. And time being one way. And then what you see visually another and combine the two, I think, to get a clearer picture. Um, and again, uh, things may get uh, clearer as we go through Jim Dandy, uh, Travers, Pennsylvania Derby coming up. But uh, it's so far, so it's uh, the, the, this three old male, which makes it, it makes the Travers maybe a, a little more fun. Maybe it, it will help uh, define things going forward. And just before we let you go, I wanted to touch on one more. Uh, I mentioned it uh, this morning on the handicapping show. Maybe not a betting race, but we get these up at Saratoga every year where a four-horse field, so maybe you're not jumping in with uh, enthusiasm betting-wise, but this is one you'll checkmark at the end of the season as being a special race, the Shoe V this afternoon. Going to take a look at the uh, stretch run from the Phipps. Clary Air in the last two. I've liked her right along. And the last two, the Apple Blossom and the Phipps, I thought were just absolutely sensational performances. But the three-year-old Eclipse Runner Ness comes back today. So it's a four-horse field, but it's exciting. Your thoughts? It's, it's very exciting. You've got a champion coming back with a leader of the older Philly and Mare division. And the thing that is amazing about Clarier to me is she's able to run down good horses <laughs> off of slow paces. And that, that apple blossom didn't play to her at all. Secret Oath got first run. She didn't get the pace scenario that was beneficial to her. And any normal horse would have ran second and you would have said it was a great yeah, yeah. effort, right, to, to Secret Oath. No, no, she just dropped her head and went and got her. And we talk about wet paint having to turn a foot on dirt. Clarier, I think, has it squared. I mean, she really, and, you know, look at her pedigree. Carlin, um out of, uh, oh, the mayor. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. This is great. Uh, Cavorting. 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 Yeah. I was going to say Coventry. Cavorting. Um, she looks like such a blend of, of her sire and dam, and she's got the size, the scope. Now you got Ness coming back as a four-year-old, and you're always – interested in seeing how they made that step from three to four. 
Now, we've had over the years, it, Phillies and Mares, as well as Colts and, and Geldings, we see the three-year-old take on the good older horse at the end of the year. We don't see as much, particularly Phillies yeah. and Mares, the good four-year-old, the three-year-old champion come back and forth, taking on the five-year-old. And I like this trend. We're seeing horses race four, five, yeah. six. I think it gives us an opportunity to, to create more fans because people latch on to a horse then when you have a prolonged period of time where you're following them. It, it creates a fan base. Yeah. Good on Stone Street for bringing her Absolutely. back, Clary, her back. Yeah. She's just, I'm looking forward to it today. As they say, I won't, won't be putting any betting money necessarily, although in the horizontals maybe you, you play around a little bit, but I'm looking forward to seeing those two square off. I always look forward to seeing you. Rich Migliori, uh, again, you and everybody do a great job on the Fox show, so we're happy to have you up here again this summer. And I knew we had to get you in. Maybe we'll squeeze you in sometime before the season ends as well, but certainly wanted to, to get a little uh, meat kickoff, and we're a week in, get some thoughts on what's gone on so far. So, again, thanks for stopping by. Well, th thank you for having me. Lovely setting here. It great is. talking horse with you. And for everybody at home, sorry I didn't get dressed up. My suits are in the office. I get dressed right before I go on air. <laughs> no problem, because I told you when you sat down, you're right with probably 80% of the guests, because we're here on the back stretch in the morning, so everybody is dressed appropriately for that. I, I wish I could do that, particularly uh, the hot mornings last week, yeah. but... Uh, Appreciate the visit, Rich. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. As promised, when we come back, Alex Sauceville will join us. Part of the Godolphin Flying Start program. We'll get a little heads up on where he's been, where he's going around the world. All of that right after this. Stay tuned. Turn your love of racing into savings with equine discounts through the NTRA. Purchase through equine discounts and receive great savings on well-known brands like John Deere, Sherwin-Williams, Big Ass Fans, Farmers Insurance, and Office Depot. Join thousands of other equine members and support companies that give back to the sport we all love. Call 866-678-4289 or visit equinediscounts.com to start saving today. The Clubhouse Racebook is the Capital Region's new home for racing and sports. 25,000 square feet of Vegas-style action with live wagering on the best horse racing from around the world. 260 flat-screen televisions and state-of-the-art wagering terminals. So don't miss out. The fun is only minutes away at 711 Central Avenue, Albany, just off exit 5 of I-90. And don't forget, if you can't make it to the Clubhouse, you can always wager online 24-7 at CapitalOTV.com. Capital OTV is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now. Welcome back to Loose on the Lead on this Sunday morning, uh, as promised before the break. So I'm in the winner's circle yesterday, and that's the way, that's the way I roll. Uh, I'm, I'm plugging people in and trying to get the latest uh, news and whatnot. But I saw Alex in the winner's circle yesterday and knew we had to get him over here to talk about his uh, exciting adventures, adventures with uh, a Godolphin Flying Start and beyond. Local product uh, in the horse racing game in a big way now, Alex Sauceville. Alex, good morning. You caught it a very good time, too. That was, that was the best part of the day. That was, uh, <laughs> well, it was certainly a lot of fun. And you popped in for the winter circle photo as well. Very mm -hmm. good. That, I'm, I'm assuming that's part of the uh, Godolphin Flying Start uh, perks. Yeah, it's part, of the, it's part of the way Godolphin treats us as a part of the program. It really is. And they have been wonderful. And I'm fortunate. I live pretty close to here. So get to spend a few afternoons up in the spa. Nothing wrong <laughs> with that. Uh, you're home for a few days, but very busy. We'll talk a flying start in a, a few moments. But first, let's start out. Uh, I mentioned it uh, when I was leading into the show. Uh, part of a state championship basketball team down at Scotia. Talk a little bit about that. Wasn't your dad assistant coaching as well? And he was. Yeah, actually, funny enough, we had myself, a couple of the guys that we played that played with me, Dom Lamorta, Joe Cremo, Scott Sapir, were all at the track okay. yesterday. So we had a good, kind of a get together of the guys. And, 
it's amazing to look back on it because now my dad's coaching the high school team at Scotia and I'm coaching the summer league team at the oh, moment nice. while I'm here. We've won a few games, which is good, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We were reminiscent about some of it yesterday. Uh, excellent. And uh, I was reading a, an article. I, I think Mike McAdam had written it. I was reading last night in prep for this uh, record number of three pointers in the, the was it the championship game? Yeah. Uh, the, the stroke's still there. I don't know if the legs are there as well, much as they were. I, I, I was about to say <laughs> I was a three point guy for a long time. Now uh, I play uh, with the with the old guys at the Y in the mornings, and uh, yeah, the three pointer. I just I'm not sure if it's the legs or. I think I saw you. Play, I think I saw you play in the was it the the jockey jo- trainer jo- game yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Umberto of uh, the sh- chaplain this year said, "You gonna play again?" I said, "I scored my basket like three years ago. I finally scored a basket, <laughs> and I, I retired quickly from that." But uh, so that's very good. That was uh, what about nine, ten years ago, the state championship, yeah. and then kind of on to a. A, uh, a career St. John Fisher's uh, college graduate and then on to the uh, racetrack industry program at the University of Arizona and since I have you here I'll let you talk a little bit about that because again we get people watching who are new to the game certainly young people and maybe thinking I like a career in the the, the racing industry and the uh, racetrack industry program is a great program to move people in that direction talk about it well funny enough it was the first question I always had was how do you work in horse racing which, looking at it now, and have worked in the industry quite a bit, I'm like, oh, there's there's all these opportunities. But when you're not in it, yeah, yeah, you don't know where any People of them are. People think you've got to be a trainer or a jockey, and don't realize this is a huge business. You can it, whatever your interest is, you can become involved in the game. And that's where it worked out for me going to Arizona meeting. I'm, I mean, I only found out about it through Pete Aiello, and I just met Pete on one of my racetrack visits, and from there, I mean, it changed everything for me. I went out there, moved to Tucson, which was a big move especially coming from here, but, I mean, the things I got to do, the people I got to meet, I started visiting racetracks throughout on my drives there, meeting different alumni, guest speakers, all of that. It's amazing how much of those, of the meeting, those people, the things I did there, two, three years down the line, I ran into those people in the industry, some of them I got jobs out of, and just some things you don't expect that this industry is really small, but really big as far as the ground it covers, but the people you meet. Um, and the racetrack industry program has uh, some notable alumni, uh, certainly Todd Pletcher, Bob mm-hmm. Baffert, and then those guys have come back and we'll talk to the, the current classes, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, we've had a few, a few instances. We have our big symposium every year where we have people come back, and they had Bob and Todd come back. And we even have a lot of people here that work at Naira yeah. that are graduates. Um, how did you get into the game? How did you become a fan? I mean, you're down in Scotia, so I'm assuming Saratoga mm-hmm. played into it, but how did you get into the game? Well, the, ba- the, the simplest answer is I grew up right over there, or I grew up right over there. <laughs> the night was at the harness track, the day was at the, throw- at the flat track, and that was kind of how I grew up with my dad. And then the big thing I started doing is just as a hobby outside of basketball season, started visiting racetracks, went to some of the biggest here we had in the States, Keeneland, Belmont, Saratoga, and went to some of the smallest that we had. I went to Beulah Park, I went to Thistledown, I went to a few of those and kind of got to see every aspect from the biggest to the smallest and everything in between and that piqued my interest of the industry and then since then it just kind of grew into learning more about how everything was done, racing side, breeding size, management, all that and it's kind of just kept going from there. I know, uh, you know, following on Twitter and just talking to you, we had you in the studio uh, talking about, I think, racetrack industry program in particular two or three years ago. And so just talking there and whatnot, uh, you and I think your father as well have been on the, the journey of checking off racetracks. Mm-hmm. How many racetracks now uh, have been checked off? So and not just live racing. You've been to so some the, defunct tracks yeah, as so well. The, so the grand total right now is 219 <laughs> at the moment. But we're going to break we're gonna break live racing 100 in a week and a half so um going to japan oh nice all right we'll hit on that in a moment but i did as i uh, again as part of prep for guests i'll look at the twitter feed and i was mm-hmm. scrolling down i did not have to scroll too far down <laughs> so i was laughing i, I get i was I had six tracks before i'd gone down too far there was belterra there was thistle down there was uh, you, you stopped at pompano and had the the frozen uh, tote board behind oh. you um uh, 
you know, it's sad to see Pompano go, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, Gabe Pruitt had mentioned uh, that the tote board was still kind of frozen, but subsequently he tweeted out a few days ago <laughs> that the facility's now getting the, the tear down, which oh. is just unfortunate. But you were there and some other uh, press guile most yep. recently, I'm assuming, uh, yes. on the way. Um, yeah, talk about some of the visits recently. Well, funny enough, I spent enough time. I lived with Gabe down in Florida, oh, okay. so I spent quite a bit of time at Pompano. I don't think the, the tote board worked when, we were, when they were running. <laughs> But it stayed there for X Frozen. amount of time, so I could go see it that day. But, yeah, it's been just a kind of a mix. We were based in Kentucky the last six months, so I did a little bit of traveling, but probably not as much as far as that. The last month or so, I had a bit of time, and so I went out to, I went out to Indiana and, and Hoosier. I did the double there. I went out for the Stephen Foster. The Godolphin had Proxy and Wadsworth running that day. And I went up to Ohio for the Ohio Derby. So then I started to get on the road a little bit more, and, but when we were based in Kentucky, we have a lot of lectures, visits, practical rotations, so it was a little bit less. And then when we were in Ireland, England, some of those, I got here and there, I'd jump out and just go visit a few tracks, Epsom, Mascot, Newbury, just kind of went. But it hasn't been as much as when I was a little bit younger and had the time, but everything's racing-oriented, yeah, I guess, in the long run. <laughs> and let, let, let's get into that. Um, first, let's talk about... Uh, well, let's talk about leaving uh, the racetrack industry program because from there uh, you were hot walking for Todd Fletcher mm-hmm. and uh, doing a little work at Colonial Downs. Talk about the interim, what you did leaving uh, University of Arizona before you moved over to the Irish National Stud. Well, the part I always laugh about is I spent the first 22 years of my life in New York State, and I think the first three years of being in the industry, I lived in about six different states and moved around everywhere, and it was really fun. It was awesome. So I left the Arizona program and went straight out and worked at Stone Farm for the Hancocks. I did a breeding season there. Finished that up and I ended up going to Colonial and went there. Was there for half the meet until COVID shut us down. Went back, worked for the Breeders' Cup in Lexington. That was during the Keeneland, the first Keeneland, or second Keeneland Breeders' Cup. So I got to see that. That was really cool, seeing how they worked around COVID restrictions, put together a race meet, got people in there that they could, and that was a really great learning experience. Went down to see Todd and worked for Todd for three, four months. Ended up going back to Colonial for a bit. And then I ended up moving back to Kentucky. Just helped out with a trainer, Mike Tomlinson, out at Churchill, who I'm good friends with. And they ended up helping me just on a whim go work for Hunter Valley, doing a consigning at the Keeneland and Phasing sales. And kind of landed in the perfect spot at that time because they were selling she dares the devil at that time so i got to be a part of that and that was an experience unlike no other really was and then from there it was off to the irish national stud and from there to the to the flying start um and as i understand it the irish national stud is kind of a similar situation to good often in that you you're part of a class that gets accepted mm-hmm. and so talk a little bit about going over and, and being at the irish national stud they're, they're both case studies in themselves. In the Irish National Stud, you live in one big hostel with 30 other kids, and you just interact. You're working together on the farm, and you get different rotations, whether you're in stallions or you're working with mares and foals, or they have like kind of an assignment each week that we do. And it gives us a full overview of really how a farm like that runs. And even the Irish National Stud, even more, it's a tourist attraction. I mean, they have people walking through. You're bringing a mare and foal in, and you have people to your left and right wanting to pet the foal or take pictures and it's a very rare place that you'll see but it's an experience and the people are so nice and you get people from around the world i mean my class we had people from australia new zealand we had a couple from france we had one from denmark and just a wide variety of people all there to work there for six months. And as I read it, you roomed with William Buick's uh, brother. I did, Andrew. Yeah, we, nice. we, spent a, we spent six months living in this little dorm-type room. And then uh, <laughs> the article, again, I'll credit, I believe it was Mike McAdam, the article I was reading last night uh, noted that it's it, the Godolphin Flying Start program is very selective from all around the country. In your class, you're the lone U.S. representative. But you were waiting for either the phone call yes or the email no, and you were in with your your uh, friends uh, eating lunch uh, at the Irish National Stud when the phone call comes and you go outside mm-hmm. and they're all kind of looking out the window and take us through that. That was one of the that was the probably the coolest experience of it all was. I remember I got the I heard the I felt the phone ring I I literally ran outside because I almost kicked my chair over because we were all eating lunch. And Andrew, my roommate, he was right inside the window when I was on the phone, and I, he looked at me, and he gave me this thumbs up or down like this. 
And I gave them the thumbs up, and I just heard them all start cheering in the in the in the, in the little cafeteria there. That was really cool because you share a lot of moments with, sure. these, with the people you're on the course with. I mean, you go in there and you don't really know any of them. I knew one one of the other students going in, and as time goes on, you're in the trenches with them. You're there every day with them. So four months in at that point to have them so excited for me That's and great. It was a really cool yeah. experience to share. And for folks who aren't familiar, uh, explain a little bit. Godolphin Flying Start, it's a global program. Again, every year it's a select group of young folks traveling around the world. Uh, explain the program a little bit and where have you been and where are you going? So, so crazy enough, it just this was the 20th year. We were the 20th class. Is that class. right? Wow. So they've gone. They just had their big reunion this past year or this couple, not even a month ago in Ireland. Had a lot of graduates go back. And pretty much what the program is, is it's a two-year training program through the thoroughbred industry. So we get brought through five countries, through Godolphin, and also through outside operations, doing all aspects of the thoroughbred industry. If it's breeding, it's racetrack management, veterinary, we do course modules at, four, at three different universities, University of Kentucky being one of them, equine nutrition, and we get just an overview of everything. We all come in with different interests of the industry. Some of us are very focused on the sales, some want to be in the breeding aspect, some like myself, grew up at the racetrack at the age of three. So it's just, there's such a wide variety of what we come in and we learn off each other, we get different experiences and we share a lot of that. Um, so where have you been so far and is Japan the next stop, is that part of the program? So Japan is something I'm kind of zigzagging. I'm doing okay. a seven day uh, trip there uh, on our way down. We start down in Australia on the 15th of August for our second year. So our first year, we start in Ireland at Kildangan and Godolphin's operation there for three months. We do two months in Newmarket, and then we do six in Kentucky. So we just finished that up. <laughs> you can't go anywhere without a side tour to a track you haven't visited. I'm nice. going to Australia. <laughs> I'll, I'll swing by Japan for a visit. I like that. I also like that you started. You started the same way. The double header. Well, I was I was with, big with the double header myself. Did it, Dad and I did it last night. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very good. Very good. Uh, just as we wrap up here, so what is your goal in the industry? So the one thing that's really been amazing, I've had, gotten to work with some amazing people and working. I mean, what I'd like to do is work and manage racing stock, blood stock, stuff like that, and work for a company where you're working for a, with a group and you're managing people as much as you're managing the racing side of things. And I've had some people I've gotten to learn from over the past year, really, that are incredible at that. I got to spend some time with Solis Lit Bloodstock, who manages all of L&J Foxwoods. They work with Rapolis. And I got to see what they do. I was they had Scotland this weekend run extremely yeah. well. But they were so welcoming and showing me everything and how they do things and how they work with different clients. And, and in Godolphin, I mean, I will, I've said it to a lot of people in this way. I'm amazed every day the way Godolphin treats us, the way they welcome us to their operation. Where people like Dan Pride, Jerry Duffy, who manages Stonerside, Danny Mulvihill of Gainsborough, they welcome us into their farms, show us how they do things, and include us on things like yesterday, which yeah. our experience is that for my group, we got to be there for the Kentucky Oaks and be there with Pretty Mischievous, and they will come to America very unsure of America. It's their first experience, and they left not wanting to leave. Yeah, that's great. That is that's very good, uh, certainly. Um, and we wish you a, a lot of good luck going forward. And I'll, I'll, I started it talking about basketball, and again, going back to that article, I know you were crediting. I have a, a great nephew now who is a sophomore, I believe, uh, but a very good basketball player. But part of that is uh, he got, I, I was talking to my sister, and, and she's saying, yeah, uh, uh, her son takes the grandson, her grandson, to the, the gym uh, four or five days a week at five in the morning. And I said, oh, so they're playing a little basketball five in the morning. And she said, no, he just goes by himself and shoots at five in the morning. And to be at that level, you know, if you, yeah. if you have a goal, you got to put in that work. And to be a state champion uh, in high school, you had to put in that work. And I know you've credited a lot of that. Because this, to get to where you've gotten now in the horse racing game, there has to be a lot of dedication and hard work. Involved. It is. That's a, it's a testament to the Scotia basketball team that we had, the guys we had that worked together, our coaches, Jimmer Gemite, Glenn Stapira, unfortunately, who passed away. But, I mean, they had us in there every morning. They had games, night work. That was all. They, they opened that for us, and it was our job to go there and do it. 
And then it did. It rolls right over into everything you do in horse racing. Yeah, you've capitalized, certainly. Uh, Alex, I, as I say, when I saw you over there, I knew we had to pull you in. Uh, being uh, with the Godolphin Flying Star program. It's going to be fun to kind of root you along and, and see where you wind up in the industry because so far, so good. It's been fun so far. So continue on. Have a, a great last year, second year of the Godolphin Flying Star, and good luck going forward with whatever the plans are, and we'll have you back in here as you uh, move along the career. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Alex Sauceville, uh, again, Godolphin Flying Star uh, trainee at this point, but we'll look for him in the industry uh, further up the ladder certainly down the line all right i'm going to wrap it up for loose on the lead on this sunday morning uh don't forget uh the syndicate will open up uh about noontime today if you want to play that saturday syndicate keep that in mind the uh, clubhouse race book it's a double promotion day uh down there i will be looking through and have my show pool picks up on the website a little bit later on as well so fun day if you're thinking about coming up to the track weather is gorgeous uh, so come on up. If not, uh, you can stop by the Racebook or some of the other branches or Easy Bets and enjoy what looks like a really nice day of racing. Otherwise, I'm going to wrap it up as far as the morning programming. We'll, we're back in on Wednesday at 9 a.m., 10 a.m. for uh, Racing Across America. So all of that coming up. But again, enjoy the racing this afternoon. Cash in some tickets. We'll see you Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., back here on the network for the Handicapper Support. You're watching OTB TV, a service of Capital Off Track Betting.